0: Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares.
1: You need to know the Bible well enough to become a Christian, get through your Christian life, and help other people answer their questions so that they can come to faith in Christ. And then when they have problems that you don't have, be able to use the Bible to understand how that problem has come to be and how to get them out of that problem. You need to learn the Bible way more than you need to know the Bible. You need to learn the Bible well enough to be able to help other people, or you're gonna sit in the tool drawer just collecting dust.
0: How well do you know the Bible? Just enough to get by? Or are you really plumbing the depths of Scripture? Today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares highlights the excellent example of Philip, one of the seven men chosen to care for the widows in Jerusalem. Philip was not a preacher, but he was still called on to answer questions about Scripture. I'm Dave Drewy, and it's time to open your Bible to Acts 8, verse 30, as Pastor Mike continues a message called, Knowing How the Scriptures Use Us.
1: studying Acts chapter 8, and we see a great example today as we've broken up this narrative about the Ethiopian eunuch coming to faith in Christ and Philip being that guide. He was a guide as he saw the bewilderment in the eyes of this Ethiopian official who was in this chariot going along this desert road, and he was opening the scroll of Isaiah and didn't understand what it meant. And he was a much better Bible school freshman than I was because he knew but he didn't know, and he said, I need some help. I need a guide. And by God's grace and through Philip's preparation, he was able that day to walk this Ethiopian from the text that he was wondering and confused about all the way to faith in Christ. But I want to look today, if you take your Bibles, at this very interesting passage and have you think about what if God had tagged you to step up and answer somebody's question about the Bible, ultimately in need of a clarification regarding Christ in the gospel. Would you be ready for that? Matter of fact, I would like you to think if God had tagged you as the passage last week uh, helped us to think through and said, Hey, here is a guy who's confused about an Old Testament passage, and what he really needs is for you to explain Isaiah 53 to him. I just wonder if if it wasn't Philip, but your name was in the text and you were called into that chariot to sit down next to him, um, how would that narrative have played out? How would that have gone? So let's dive into the middle of this. We broke it up into a few parts here, but let's look at the middle of this narrative in in chapter eight, verse 30. We're gonna read and study through verse 35 as the English Standard Version puts it. Here it goes. So Philip, verse 30, ran to him, that Ethiopian official, and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand it? And he said, talk about a good Bible student, here he comes, how can I unless someone guides me? (laughs) I don't get it, I can't. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Pretend that's you. Here, can you explain this? Now Luke breaks into the narrative here in verse 32 and tells us about the text that he was reading and records it here for us. Isaiah chapter 53, this specifically is verses seven and eight. And he quotes it this way. It says, now the passage he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shears is silent so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him, who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or someone else? It's already odd that he's speaking about this person in the third person, so it doesn't seem like it's about him. And yet we have examples like of Jeremiah breaking into a lament about his role in the nation as a prophet and how embattled he was. And so maybe it's like that Jeremiah passage where it seems like everything fits together well, that he's talking about himself in the third person and how hard it is to be a prophet. Now, is that what's going on here? And of course, all the rest of the context would help us understand that this is far different than just it's really hard being a preacher these days. It gets into all these things about being crushed by the Lord, becoming a guilt offering for the sins of people, justifying by the death, the lives of other people, being raised from the dead, even though they were in the grave, they come out and see their generation, their offspring. I mean, what, this is really odd if this is about Isaiah. So is it about him? Is it about something else? Verse 35, and Philip opened his mouth, which I pray that you will this week, beginning with this scripture, whatever the question might be, whatever the biblical idea might be, the confusing thing about Christianity or the Bible might be, and he told him the good news about Jesus. That's what this series has been about. Gospel advancement, we're talking about how we in our generation are to be Philip to our coworkers and our neighbors and our extended family to be able to preach the good news to them. That's our job. This is not about the preacher's curriculum and the thing that preachers are supposed to do. This is about every person in the church, regardless of what your role might be in terms of service for the church, to be useful to God, to help guide people through the truth to Christ. They got questions about it. You say, well, my friends don't have any questions about the Bible. My friends are not reading the Bible. Well, before you go there, let's first start with that idea of you being on the campus as someone who should be experienced and kind of know your way around with a t-shirt on that says, here, I'm here to help, ask me. I, I need you to start identifying yourself the way that Philip here is going to be identified. Let's just look at that word again at the beginning of this passage. It says, how can I, verse 31, unless someone guides me. Philip's running up, there's a connection, a relationship, verse 30. He asks the question, so he starts the conversation, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I unless someone guides me? That's a very important word used a few times in the New Testament to describe people that are trying to guide other people into the right understanding of the truth. I need a guide, he says. And so he said, Philip, why don't you be my guide? Number one on your outline, it'd be good for us to think of ourselves this way. You need to see yourself as a Bible guide. If you're a Christian here this morning, you are a guide to other people, and you might as well wear a T-shirt that says, if you have questions about the Bible, ask me. I am ready to see myself as not just a student of the Bible so that I can sit back and go, wow, I've really got a lot of great spiritual truths in place to live my Christian life. And it sure is nice because I got all my questions answered. No, 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 no. It's not about you getting your questions answered. That's important. Leads you to faith in Christ. But now as a Christian, I see myself as entrusted with the message of reconciliation. Well, I got the gospel. Well, to get people to rightly understand the gospel, they've got questions. They're confused. And so you and I need to say, that's my job. I'm a Bible guide. That's my job. I want to get you into the Bible. I want you to help you understand what God has said. God has spoken here. He has been very clear. Let me help you understand it. Well, I am not going to be very good at it. Let's get you better at it. Let's get you better at it. Take a look at this text. Go back to Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, here you have, and I, I tried to at least get you to think what it might, might have been like to have someone say, hey, I'm here in Isaiah. Can you help me with this passage? He'd be like, oh man, I don't know. That's gonna be hard. And so the passage that he, quote unquote, happened to be reading was like a sheep. He was led to the slaughter like a lamb before its shears is silent. So he doesn't open his mouth. and his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. I mean, is this Isaiah talking about his death? No, it's not Isaiah. Matter of fact, I've studied that passage before, and it is about the Messiah, and the Messiah has come, and he's Christ. That's something that, that guess what? Philip knew. He was able to. We know that that's going to end starting with this passage, beginning with this scripture. He went on. So that means that meant he covered it logically. He explained it. What if Philip had grown up saying, you know what I really like? I like the law of Moses, man. And I even like some of the, the history, the early history of Israel. And I, I, like, I like the stories in Samuel and First and Second Kings, but the prophets, I don't, much. I, I don't like those. And I know a lot of people struggle with questions about who's this and what's that and how does this go and when is this? Is this a prophecy? Is this past? Is this, I, they worry about that. I don't worry about all that. Uh, I just don't worry about that. I mean, I'm just i, I I'm convinced of theism. I'm convinced of the need to trust in Yahweh. I'm convinced there's a coming Messiah, but I don't want to get into all that. It's kind of like my illustration of the Welcome Week people, if I get on campus and go, hey, you know what, uh, it says here I'm in uh, this, this dorm on this floor, and can you tell me where that is? And the guy going, I never go to that side of the campus. My dorm's down over here. I, I hang out on that side of the campus. Oh, your T-shirt said you could help me. Yeah, I can show you my dorm. I don't wanna see your dorm. Where, do I, where am I supposed to live? Or I say, you know what, I'm kind of a mama's boy. I send packages to my mother every week. Can you, share, can you tell me where the shipping and receiving is? Oh, you, you need to, you do that. Oh, what a sweet guy you are. But you know what? I never send any packages. I don't know. Where, I don't even, I never go to the mail center. What well, but your shirt says you can help me. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't have it. I don't see a need for that. No, but I do. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? If, if I say, where do I make a copy, right? In, in the library, I know on these floors, I have the library, but where's a place where I can make a copy of something? I never make copies. I just stay late in, in, in the library and I just, I study there. I never even, I never make copies and take them back to the door. I don't worry about that. Well, yeah, but I do. And I'd like to know. what. Here's the thing. Some of you love to study the Bible in the areas where you like to study. And some things you think, I never worry about that. That whole creation evolution thing. I, I, we're here. It doesn't matter. God was involved. It's, it, I don't worry about it. Okay. I'll bet one of your coworkers worries about it. I'll bet someone you run into is going to want to know well, what is that all about? You know, I don't read much of the Old Testament. I just stay where Christ is. And you, well, you know, your non-Christian friend and colleague is going to say, "Well, I was reading in Leviticus, or someone told me Leviticus says." And you're like, know, ah, "I don't, I don't, I don't really read that." Well, wait a minute. If you're a Bible guide, which of course you are, and you should be. You should see yourself as that. I, I can't see Philip being much good by saying, "I don't really read Isaiah." So it's not helpful. There are things that you know that the world is asking, and you never really make it personal by thinking, I'm going to have a coworker that asked me this, but you think, ah, I don't really, I'm not, the historicity of the Bible, manuscript evidence, you know, how the Bible came to be, I don't know. I just don't really worry about that. I trust the smart guys at my church that have figured that out, so I don't, I've never read anything, I don't study that. You may be reading a passage like this saying, I never have anyone say, answer my Bible or theological questions, or ethical or philosophical Maybe God's not reaching into the toolbox to grab you for those things because you're just not sharp. (laughs) And I don't mean you're dumb. You got all it takes to be sharp. It's just that you haven't gone through the hard work of having that edge filed down and made sharp. You've got to know your Bible. You need to know it better than you know it now. You, you, you don't just need to know your Bible well enough to be a Christian and to get through your Christian life. You need to know the Bible well enough to become a Christian, get through your Christian life, and help other people answer their questions so that they can come to faith in Christ. And then when they have problems that you don't have, be able to use the Bible to understand how that problem has come to be and how to get them out of that problem. You need to learn the Bible way more than you need to know the Bible. You need to learn the Bible well enough to be able to help other people, or you're going to sit in the tool. Drawer just collecting dust. Number two, you need to get to know the Bible much better, much better, much better. Here we go again. It just wants us to be Bible scholars. I want you to be Bible scholars. Busted, busted. Yep, that's what I want. You're absolutely right. And I'm not being sarcastic. We need to master the book and all the implications. Well, I can never do that. You can do better than you're doing now. Notice the point. Read it carefully. Get to know the Bible much better. I could have written, know everything you can know about the Bible. Not what I'm saying. Well, if really Philip's gonna be prepared, he better be ready to to exegete Nahum chapter one and Leviticus chapter 23, as well as Isaiah 53. Well, yeah, maybe he didn't, but God picked him up to get in this chariot knowing that he knew Isaiah 53 and could respond to that question. And all I'm saying is you are going to be much more useful to the Lord the more you know. So I want you to know more. You've got to know the book better and all the things on which it's based and everything that helps us think through the implications of it and what it would say to this movement or that fad or this, this theory or this philosophy or the way this group says we ought to do church. We ought to know that. We ought to know the Bible. I had a choice to make as a pastor to look at this passage and get into the details of Isaiah 53 and work through it and even some of the nuances between the Septuagint and Masoretic text and how this is all laid out. And I thought, I can do that. I can roll up our sleeves and do Bible study in Isaiah 53 or I could do something pastorally that I think may be more important and that is that you and I make a commitment to be more like Philip. Which means we're not going to sit here and exegete Isaiah 53, although we could and I have and you can look those up. But it's for us to think about, do we know enough to be more useful this year than we were last year. So I want to help you through that. This may seem an odd part of the sermon, but let me help you through it. I'm going to do it with a series of letters. Let me give you some letters, okay? Can I start with this? Give you three letters to start with. Subpoints. ready? C-B-I. Let's start with those three letters. <laughs> C-B-I. Guess what C-B-I is intended to do? Well, you can quote the second point, to get to know your Bible much better. That's what it's designed for. Well, I go to church. You go to church. That's great. Good for you. I've never read your papers. I've never assigned textbooks and then quizzed you on whether or not you knew that material and got it well and weren't sleeping through it, thinking of sports when you were reading those paragraphs. I've never had that chance to have that kind of interaction with you. Professors at CBI have the chance to do that with you as you matriculate through a classroom and you learn important things that will help you when someone at work says, I don't understand why if God's so good, there's so much evil in the world. Studying the Bible and the understanding of sin and its origins and what God has done to curse the fabric of the universe. Those are the kinds of things you would learn to be much more apt and fluent and and conversant in if you studied more formally. I encourage you, and here's my my strong exhortation to you. When you go out here and grab your cookie and coffee after the service, look over your shoulder to the left. It's right over here in this corner. You'll see our welcome booth for all the the people that come to our campus and don't know where they're going. And then right next to that is a CBI, a Compass Bible Institute booth. Our leaders are out there, our registrar's out there, our director is out there, a professor or two might be out there. You talk to them about signing up. Get the list, get the information, learn how you can apply and register for a class. I'm exhorting, what are you doing? There are churches all over the place that would love to have the advantage of you driving and parking in your regular parking spot, here in our parking lot, and walking into a classroom with the kind of, of careful, thoughtful training that we need to be able to say, I know the Bible better this year than I did last. And I dare you to take a CBI class. C-B-I. Let me give you three more letters. Ready? D-B-R. Do you know those letters? <laughs> D-B-R. Daily Bible reading. Church is big on that. I got my own plan. Listen. <laughs> it's like us having some kind of fitness thing here, right? And we've got trainers here. And you go, oh, I got my own exercise routine. You know, most people that say that, most people, not you, I know, because you have this great workout thing in your garage. No, but most people use that as a cover to not really do what we're doing. Well, I'm really hardcore. i want to read more than... You can read our section of the scripture five, six times in in a day. Just do that if you really want to do more reps. But master the material that is there every morning. You go to our website, right? After you go to compassbibleinstitute.org, go to compasschurch.org and see the most prominent first orange button you're gonna run into. And it's not give, just so you know. The first button you're gonna run into is the daily Bible reading because that's what we want you to do. Don't make me quote the stats about how many people go to church for years and years and years and years and years and years and years and, years and have never read the whole Bible from cover to cover because you would be depressed. And I don't wanna depress you. I wanna motivate you. And that is to read the Bible every single year. If you've been a Christian around this church for seven years, five years, three years, well, then you've read the Bible through, I hope, at least seven times, five times, or three times, because you're in it with us every single day. Every morning, get up and read the DBR. Understand it. Someone asks you at work, I heard that somebody on Twitter said there's this verse in in Leviticus about XYZ. Man, if you've been here seven years doing what you should be doing, which is reading the Daily Bible, you're going to say, well, I've read that passage at least seven times in the last few years, and I'm telling you, uh, yeah, I've struggled with it too, or I've thought about it here. I'm. Wor- Let me get you some answers. You are going to be at least familiar with this book that we're basing our eternity on. CBI, DBR. How about this one? CB. CB? What's that? Compass Books. Compassbooks.org. Compassbooks.org. Here's the thing. I know it's easier for you to click on Amazon and get all your books delivered to you. But I don't know if you know, but Bezos doesn't really like all the books we recommend. I don't know if you know that. Some of them he doesn't like. And you know what? They've been increasingly, militantly, banning books they don't like. Guess what? I bet half the books on my reading list every week eventually will not be available for you to click on and have sent to your house. We're working on that, investing more money in that website, being able to make compassbooks.org a place where you can get all the recommended books that our pastors have read and vetted, and we, we like, can't vet every single word and, and approve every word, but we're gonna make it to where you can click on it and have those books sent to you or your friends in Nebraska or, or, or Canada or whatever. We'll be able to send them out. It's gonna be a start, and we're gonna start slow, but we're gonna get this thing going. You need to be reading Christian books every single day. You should have one in the morning you're reading, one in the evening you're reading. You should have one sitting by the throne in the bathroom that you pick up and you read. Depending on your, your, your movements, you, you may read it twice a day, maybe once a day, but you're going to read it. And there are so many books. Do you know every week I give you a list of books? I don't know, 14, 15 books. I say, these would be good to read. Matter of fact, anybody have the printed worksheet? Yeah. Flip it over. Flip it over. I books every single week. Let me see what I put down this week. Jay Adams, Comment to the Council. You getting the idea that God has put you in a place to be able to take biblical truth and actually get it into other people's lives? That's a good book. It's a classic. Hopefully, you've heard people talk about it. If you haven't read it, you should read it. It's in our bookstore. Go buy it after the service. Alexander, David Alexander, Zondervan's Handbook to the Bible. That that book. Huge. That, that's a good one to put in the bathroom. It's got articles and charts and pictures. It's so good to be able to say, I'm going to get a better handle on the entirety of scripture from Genesis to Revelation. A book like that, just put it somewhere prominently in your house so you pick it up and you read it. Gleason Archer's book, New International Encyclopedia of Bible Dif- Difficulties. Why did I put it there? I put that one there this week because some people are going to ask you questions at work and say, I don't get this part of the Bible. It's hard. Here's a good working title for this book. Weird parts of the Bible you need to explain. That's, that would be a good title for this book. And Gleason Archer, so good, so careful, it's very concise, but tries to deal with every issue in the text. And it, you know, obviously may leave out a few that you have wondered about, but all the big ones are there for you to say, okay, I need to be able to figure out the difficulty of this passage. How do I square this particular, you know, rendering of of the historical events of the resurrection in this gospel with that gospel? How does that fit this? Good book. Abner Chow, hermeneutics of the biblical writers, learning to interpret the scripture. Abner Chow's trying to help people who are trying to rush from whatever Old Testament passage to Christ, and that's certainly where we're going in this text, that's what Philip did, but how do you do that without really running roughshod over the intention, the original intention of an Old Testament text? That may be on another level for people that are in CBI, but that's a good book and an important book, fairly new book. Crispin's book. I bet none of you have probably heard about this one, few of you. Gerard Crispin, The Bible Panorama. That's another good one for your bathroom. It's got short, it's got 1,183 chapters in it. That sounds like a lot. I think it's that many. As to how it follows every chapter of the Bible. And in every single one of these, it just gives you a quick rundown of what are the main themes, what are the main characters, what's this chapter about, how does it fit in the whole of the book. That'd be good for you to handle on the Word of God. There's a guy, you know, Mike Fabares wrote a little book called Bible Survey for Kids. And the only reason I put that on there is because some people read that as they try to give it to their kids. They go, man, I learned more about the Bible than I've ever learned before just by trying to teach it to my kids. I tried to act like to my seven-year-old that I knew all this stuff, but some of it was new to me and it was helpful to learn about the minor prophets or the historical books Or very simple, but maybe if you've never done that, it's in our bookstore. I'm saying, I go on and on. I go through all of these. But the point is, you need to get good Christian books. I know I say it all the time, but go buy a book today. Please, go buy a book.
0: You're listening to Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares and a message titled, Knowing How the Scriptures Use Us. If you want to hear this entire uncut message, simply go to our website, focalpointradio.org. If you're looking for good Christian books and resources, like the Bible survey for kids that Pastor Mike mentioned today, then go directly to focalpointministries.org books. Our online bookstore is the best place to find vetted resources from Pastor Mike's book list, and it's a great alternative to other online booksellers. When you make a purchase from Focal Point Ministries online bookstore, you know you're supporting this ministry instead of sending your money to businesses that don't share your values. So check out the selection at focalpointministries.org slash books. And this month, Pastor Mike has personally picked an excellent resource for our listeners titled How to Know God Exists, Solid Reasons to Believe in God, Discover Truth, and Find Meaning in Your Life, written by evangelist Josh McDowell and author Thomas Williams. It's designed to help you quickly and easily find answers to some of the universal questions everyone asks about God and the Bible. And right now, we'll send you a copy of How to Know God Exists when you make a generous donation to Focal Point. Donate online at focalpointradio.org or by calling 888-320-5885. Or if you prefer, write to us at Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. And you can easily sign up to automatically receive Pastor Mike's monthly book selection when you sign up to become a Focal Point partner. Now, this is a select group of friends who pledge a monthly gift to support the teaching here on Focal Point. Sign up today when you call 888 320 That's 888-320-5885. Or you can get signed up online at focalpointradio.org. And thanks for partnering with us. Well, how are you using your time? Are you investing in intentional and thoughtful Bible study? Or are you squandering it on short-lived personal entertainment? I'm your host, Dave Druey, inviting you to join us tomorrow to hear Pastor Mike Fabares present the conclusion of a message titled, Knowing How the Scriptures
1: Use Us. That's Tuesday on Focal Point. Pastor Mike here. I pray today's message will help you live out your faith with truth and love. After all, that's the kind of biblical faith that changes lives and transforms a crooked culture. But if you haven't truly surrendered your life to Christ, then I'd like to invite you to get in touch. We'd love to pray with you and help you discover God's plan of salvation. Visit focalpointradio.org.
0: Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.